Exodus fifteen nineteen through Exodus seventeen seven. For the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea on them. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea. Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took the tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and with dancing. And Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider he has hurled into the sea. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Merah, they could not drink the waters of Merah, because they were bitter. For that reason it was named Merah. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then he cried out to the Lord, and showed him a tree, and he drew it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute and regulation, and there he tested them. And he said, If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, and listen to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians." For I, the Lord, am your healer. Then they went to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy date palms, and they camped there beside the water. Then they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. But the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, If we only had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread until we were full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this entire assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, so that I may test them, whether or not they will walk in my instruction. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses said to all the sons of Israel, At evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your grumblings against the Lord. And what are we, that you grumble against us? And Moses said, This will happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and bread to the full in the morning. For the Lord hears your grumblings, which you grumble against him. And what are we? Your grumblings are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, Come forward before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And it came about, as Aaron spoke to the entire congregation of the sons of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness. And behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the grumblings of the sons of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. 
So it came about at evening that the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness there was a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone gather as much as he will eat. You shall take an omer apiece, according to the number of people each of you has in his tent. The sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much and some little. When they measured it by the omer, the one who had gathered much did not have too much, and the one who had gathered little did not have too little. Everyone gathered as much as he would eat. Moses said to them, No one is to leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to Moses, and some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with them. They gathered it morning by morning, everyone as much as he would eat, but when the sun became hot, it would melt. Now on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, This is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning, as Moses had ordered, and it did not stink, nor was there a maggot in it. Then Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Yet it came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. For that reason he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. Remain, everyone, in his place. No one is to leave his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel named the bread manna. And it was like coriander seed, white, and its taste like wafers with honey. Then Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. A full omer of it is to be kept safe throughout your generations, so that you may see the bread that I fed you in the wilderness, when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar, and put a full omer of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept safe throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony, to be kept, and the sons of Israel ate the manna for forty years, until they came to an inhabited land. They ate the manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is a tenth of an ephah. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of Sin, according to the command of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. So the people quarreled with Moses, and said, Give us water, so that we may drink. And Moses said to them, 
Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses and said, Why is it that you have brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What am I to do with this people? A little more, and they will stone me. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pass before the people, and take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand your staff, with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there, on the rocks at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, so that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Then they named the place Massah and Meribah, because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Mark 5 They came to the other side of the sea, into the region of the Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him any more, not even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken into pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains, and cutting himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him, And shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do you have with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had already been saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, What is your name? And he said to him, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. Now there was a large herd of pigs feeding nearby on the mountain, and the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the pigs, so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission, and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about two thousand of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Their herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and in the countryside. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. And then they came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had previously had the legion. And they became frightened. Those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the pigs. And they began to beg him to leave their region. And as he was getting into the boat... The man who had been demon-possessed was begging him that he might accompany him, and he did not let him, but he said to him, Go home to your people, and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you, and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, A large crowd gathered around him, and he stayed by the seashore. And one of the synagogue officials, named Jarius, came, and upon seeing him, fell at his feet, 
and pleaded with him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please, come lay your hands on her, so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. A woman who had a hemorrhage for twelve years, and had endured much at the hands of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was not helped at all, but instead had become worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him, and touched his cloak. For she had been saying to herself, If I just touch his garments, I will get well. And immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power from him had gone out, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And the disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, and be cured of your disease. While he was still speaking, people came from the house of the synagogue official, saying, Your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher further? But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid. Only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the synagogue official, and he saw a commotion, and people loudly weeping and wailing. And after entering, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child has not died, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him. But putting them all outside, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions, and entered the room where the child was in bed. And taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha come, which translated means, Little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for she was twelve years old. And immediately they were completely astonished, and he gave them strict orders that no one was to know about this, and he told them to have something given her to eat. Acts 27, 1-26 Now, when it was decided that we would sail for Italy, they proceeded to turn Paul and some of the other prisoners over to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And when we boarded a Adramidian ship that was about to set sail to the regions along the coast of Asia and put out to sea accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul with consideration and allowed him to go to his friends and receive care. From there we put out to sea and sailed under the shelter of Cyprus, because the winds were contrary. When we had sailed through the sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy, and he put us aboard it. When we had sailed slowly for a good many days, and with difficulty had arrived off Nidus, 
Since the wind did not permit us to go farther, we sailed under the shelter of Crete, off Salmon, and with difficulty sailing past it, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. When considerable time had passed, and the voyage was now dangerous, since even the fast was already over, Paul started admonishing them, saying to them, Men, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than by what was being said by Paul. The harbor was not suitable for wintering, so the majority reached a decision to put out to sea from there. If somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete facing southwest and northeast, and spend the winter there. When a moderate south wind came up, thinking they had attained their purpose, they weighed anchor and began sailing along Crete, closer to shore. But before very long, a violent wind called Eurachilo, rushed down from the land, and when the ship was caught in it and could not head up into the wind, we gave up and let ourselves be driven by the wind. Running under the shelter of a small island called Cauda, we were able to get the ship's boat under control only with difficulty. After they had hoisted it up, they used supporting cables in undergirding the ship and fearing that they might run aground on the shallows of Sirtis, they let down the sea anchor and let themselves be driven along in this way. The next day, as we were being violently tossed by the storm, they began to jettison the cargo, and on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm was assailing us, from then all hope of our being saved was slowly abandoned. When many had lost their appetites, Paul then stood among them and said, Men, you should have followed my advice and not have set sail from Crete, and thereby spared yourselves this damage and loss. And yet now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night an angel of the God to whom I belong, whom I also serve, came to me, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has graciously granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep up your courage, men. For I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on a certain island. Proverbs twelve seventeen through 28 One who declares truth tells what is right, but a false witness deceit. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips will endure forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. But counselors of peace have joy. No harm happens to the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are his delight. A prudent person conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims foolishness.
The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy hand will be put to forced labor. Anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down, but a good work makes it glad. The righteous person is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. A lazy person does not roast his prey, but the precious possession of a person is diligence. In the way of righteousness there is life, and in its pathway there is no death. Psalm 27, 1-6 through 6. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fled. If an army encamps against me, my heart will not fear. If war arises against me, in spite of this, I am confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to meditate in his temple. For on the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle. He will hide me in the secret place of his tent. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me, and I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord.